Boom, 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 boom. There we go. Okay. All right, everybody. This is Ari in the Air. Welcome back to the show. So glad you're here. I'm so glad I'm here. It's been a minute. But I am smitten as a kitten to be podcasting again and to have you listening. It's been a wild freaking ride in my life lately from break up, move out, filming a TV show for Discovery Channel, being on the road indefinitely since October. It's not too indefinite. But I have been doing a lot of thinking, a lot of conversing with really thoughtful people, and it is out of those things that I can that I want to share some some insight with you today. Okay, and we're going to get to that in just a minute, but if you're listening to this and you love this show, consider supporting it. PayPal.me slash Airy in the Air, or you can sp- subscribe on Patreon. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm just, as a little uh, future note here, I'm getting super fired up to do what I'm referring to as season two of the podcast, which is exciting. I have, you know all of these interviews with all these incredible people, psychologists and spiritual teachers and and philosophers is just so meaningful to me and it's so fun and I find that I'm so fucking good at it, you know? Like I find myself in such a deep state of flow when I'm really jamming with John Verveke or Greg Enriquez or Zach Stein, all these guys who are just, who have accolades beyond mention and so I, I feel like I'm really good at this and I really like doing it and I really want to make it my thing. So yeah, consider supporting me again, but, um, that's kind of tying into our, our chat today, which is the purpose of my life, the purpose of your life, the purpose of our lives. And I guess I'll preface this by saying that I don't really have a dialed five-step program. I don't have a gospel to share with you here. I am but but a mere Dolby. I am but a mere Dolby here trying to share my insights with you, my lord. It is the purpose of your life, my lord, if you'd just accept it. So, uh, these are just um, some musings that I've had as I've conversed with some people who I really admire a lot. And Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, fuck it. Let's listen to some music, and then I'm gonna drop some hammers on your head. Ready? Here we go.
Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> to take you back to the inception of this episode, essentially, how I came about verbalizing this thing that had been stewing in me for quite some time, is to take you back to mid-November 2020. And I am in outside of Moab, Utah, in a place called the Fisher Towers. We have a 2,000-foot-long slack line set up that you have to climb um, 1,500 feet and three miles or something of just insane side hill scree scrambling to get to to this 2,000-foot tower high line. And we're doing it with our paragliders on our back because every evening after we walk the high line, we're flying our paragliders down. It is absolutely dreamland. It is the best project of my life. It is my absolute bliss, genius, full retard zone. It's just epic. I'm feeling superhuman for a number of reasons, which maybe we'll discuss later, but feeling very fit, strong, affirmed, loved, capable, competent, insightful. And from that place in me came a really deep conversation with a very close friend of mine, Marcus Nelson. Marcus is another professional slackliner and acrobat. He performs acrobatics and slacklining on cruise ships and has um, done that all over the place and is just an amazing, amazing athlete who I look up to a lot. He has a very calm, present... um, accepting demeanor and he's a very wonderful person and a great friend he listens very deep and there was a night where we were sitting in his van and we were cooking dinner and we kind of started talking about life's purpose and he said that he was having a hard time integrating his purpose into his life into the things that he does every day And so I began by asking him some questions about how he was framing his life's purpose in his mind. And it was there that I saw some misconceptions that um, I thought were indicative of the challenge that is finding our life's purpose in the world that we're currently living in, in the world that we've grown up in, in the condition that we have grown up in. So I asked Marcus, how are you framing your life's purpose in your mind? And he said, well, it seems like my purpose should be like this thing that keeps me excited and keeps me moving forward over a really long period of time. It's something that ties together what I do. Hmm, interesting. I think that there are a couple of misconceptions. There are a couple of ways in which we are conditioned to believe that our life's purpose is actually not our life's purpose. And one of the things, one of the misconceptions here is that Our life's purpose is the theme of our life. 
our life's purpose is not the theme of our life, right? Like the purpose of my life is not slacklining. It is not highlining. It's not action sports at all. That is not the purpose of my life. That is not the purpose of my life. I do not want to be stuck to that. The purpose of my life is not an activity. The purpose of my life is not an activity. And this misconception where the purpose of our life is an activity or is a thing that we do is based on the model of economics, essentially, that we live in. That is, you grow up and your parents want what is, air quotes, best for you. So they try to guide you into a stable earning, essentially, right? And if this stable earning could also align with something that doesn't absolutely bore you to death, then great. And even better would be if your stable earning came from something that actually lights you up a bit, that would be best in a parental view in America, it seems. But the reality is that our life's purpose and what we do for a living are not always aligned and certainly to have the perspective that our life's purpose is to make a living in a certain way or have a certain profession is a gross underestimation of our life's purpose because it just fails to include the myriad aspects of our lives. If our life's purpose was stuck only to our career, what we do for a living, then that means that the purpose of your life is to be an economic node in a system that just chews up and spits out people. You have to live your life in service of the economy, of earning, of being a part of the market. And if that's what your life's purpose is, then what a shallow and and fragile existence as a human. And we all know at our in our hearts and our core that our lives are so much more important than what we do for a fucking living or how much money we have. We all know that. Your life's purpose transcends and includes what you do for a living. Mm. We're getting somewhere here and just bumble along with me here, right? I tried to write down like a little, um, <clears throat> how do I call it? A little uh, outline. It didn't work. It didn't work. So I'm freestyling. And I'm drinking coffee. It's mostly decaf. It has a little bit of caffeinated grounds in there. I've been off of coffee, for, off of caffeine for quite some time now. And just a little bit here and there. It's quite nice. I highly recommend it. Okay, so there are a couple of things that we have been told ad nauseum to instill this misconception in us, and they are things like society telling us to find our passion and follow it, right? We hear these stories of people who find that they love something so much, and then they make a million dollars on it. We compare ourselves to those stories. I think that the most insidious lie that we're told as children is that you can be whatever you want. You can be whatever you want to be. You just got to pick a path and follow it. 
you can be a firefighter or a, a fighter jet pilot or a race car driver or a lawyer or a doctor. All you got to do is get on that path. Start going. This is an insidious lie that is told to children. This is why doctors, vets, and lawyers have the highest rate of suicide because their parents and families and society at large pushes them into a career as if it is their life's purpose only to arrive there feeling absolutely fucked. You can be whatever you want to be. That is such a lie. You only have one choice, and it is to be yourself. The choice inside of that is how much of yourself are you willing to be? Mm. And so like I said, when I preface this as Dolby, this is just something that I've kind of stumbled across in my own musings, and I hope that my own perspective of how I'm framing my life's purpose can help you. Okay, I'm not trying to tell you how you should frame your life's purpose, but maybe this is helpful. I realized a long time ago that I had to be myself and that I couldn't be someone else. That hasn't stopped me from comparing myself to other people, but it is a freeing realization to realize that I cannot be someone else. And so I think that if you want to be in tune with your life's real purpose, your life's true purpose, I think the first step is to become acutely aware in a very profound sense of who you actually are. Who you actually are. This is your upbringing. This is your wounding. This is your conditioning. This is your capacity. These are your skills, your propensities, your preferences. The things that you are good at, the things that you are bad at, the things that you are lit up by, the things you are averse to, the whole thing. You want to see yourself fully, clearly, and unflinchingly that you don't look away. The good, the bad, the ugly. Mm. When we talk about our life's purpose, it brings up this concept for me called dharma. Dharma is a Sanskrit word, and it has been, especially in America, misunderstood as essentially what your career is. <laughs> Who would have thought? And that's actually not what it is. Your dharma, and I'm Quoting Daniel Schmachtenberger here, who is a future guest of this podcast, and I encourage you to look him up. Dharma, the way he holds it, roughly means the path of right action, the path of greatest integrity, the path of choices that doesn't create suffering and optimally helps heal, the path that leads towards increasing wholeness, consciousness, health, and quality of life for all. For everyone, everywhere, in all time. It's a concept that relates to mission, purpose, ethics, virtue, character, integrity, vocation, the good life, self-actualization, and transcendence. But it is not fully contained in any of these. 
There are principles of dharma that are universally true, and there is unique dharma. What is right action for me specifically in this situation, factoring my unique orientation, capacities, commitment, my unique life's path? This concept of dharma is not deterministic. There is no algorithm that can compute what right choice is for you. This concept of dharma does not seek to reduce choice, but to help inform and empower the reality and meaningfulness of choice, the internal considerations that inform your own sovereign choice-making, aligned with your own deepest values, understanding, and sense of meaningfulness. Dharma involves your being, your doing, and your becoming. Who and how you are being, moment to moment. How connected are you to to your own being, to your love, to the clarity of your principles and values? And how is that informing how you perceive and express in each situation? What are you doing and where is that doing coming from? And in service to what? How are you growing and developing in both your being and your capacity to do? As such, our dharma is a continuous unfolding. It has at least as much to do with how we relate to uncertainty as it does to what we feel certain of. Unlike the way we often think of vocation, career, Dharma includes how you show up to all the little things, not just what you choose as your primary focuses, and it can change at different times in your life. This is an ongoing and unending inquiry. If it wasn't, you'd be a robot. So, This concept of dharma is essentially what is my unique path? What is my unique path through life that helps eliminate suffering and afford flourishing for everyone everywhere, myself included? Because what's good for me is not good enough. I'm more selfish than that. What's good for me is not good enough. I want what's good for you too. And it's got to be good for me and you. And everyone. And that is a series of overlapping circles that makes a bullseye that is a noble thing to aim at. As well as a very specific target. How to aim at that in any moment changes, second by second. So, I think that my point here is that, I think that my point here is that the purpose of your life is not any one thing. The purpose of your life is to be sensitive to what is your dharma. It is to be sensitive to your own life's unique path. And then, tempering your will to align with that. It is as if 
Your dharma is this cosmic compass. It is as if there is this cosmic compass. Imagine, if you close your eyes and you imagine right now inside of your chest, right below your heart, your heart is sitting on top of this cosmic compass. And at any moment, this compass is going to point towards right action. The ultimate right action. The path, this compass points to the path of lessening suffering and affording flourishment to everyone, everywhere, and all time. It is a compass that points you on your unique life's path in accordance to all of your wounding, your traumas, your, your skills, your propensities, your preferences, your joy, your passion. This compass points towards right action all the time. It is my... What I am suggesting is your life's purpose is to increase your sensitivity, become aware of this compass. It is to become aware of this compass. It is to become deeply sensitive to this compass, to understand... Hmm, how do I say that? It is to become sensitive to this compass, yes. That is the first part. To become sensitive to the compass that's in your heart and in your being is to see yourself, right? That's the first part. To see yourself fully, clearly, and unflinchingly. And the second part is to see the world in a similar way. Because you have to know yourself, right? And then you have to know the landscape in which you are contextualized. You have to come into right relationship with reality. Right? Because if you just focus solely on yourself, you might know yourself, but you have no context for which you exist. You have no context for the marketplace where your skills are going to be valued, the wounds that the world has that your gifts could heal you don't have any context of where you fit into this giant picture. So it is both seeing yourself very clearly and coming into right relationship with reality that you can see reality clearly so that you can place yourself inside of that. The compass always knows. The compass always knows. And there are ways that we can kind of like tune our compass to keep it functioning properly. I think that um, these are everything from our diet and how well our gut works and our second brain and our intuition to our um, psychological well-being and therapy and getting rid of these old bullshit programs and all this wounding and shame and fear and all this gunk inside of our systems that fogs our lenses and spins our compass unnecessarily. Mm. So, instead of conceptualizing your life's purpose as some kind of thread, as some kind of theme, 
David Data recommends that you think of your life's purpose more like an onion, that it has layers, that it's bound to change over time as you get deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, in your late teens and early 20s, your life's purpose might look like skiing, like it did for me. It looked like challenging myself and growing and pushing myself and facing my fears, my physical fears, showing my worth and flexing my bravery, my courage, my excitement, my enthusiasm, my fitness, right? And that is a layer in which I faced with every part of myself, every part of myself. I have ordered my life I have structured my life in a way that has allowed me to listen to that and to respond to that in real time. And that is a layer that I faced fully. And I faced it fully until the excitement wasn't there. I learned a highline. It stopped snowing for a couple of seasons and I learned a highline. That didn't stop me from being excited about skiing, but the depth at which I was pursuing that changed a bit because now I had two sports. And then I learned to paraglide. Skiing took a... It got, you know, only has a third of my heart. And then I learned to mountain bike. Then I learned to make films. And then I started podcasting. So... Passion and what I'm excited about is a really strong indicator of what my life's purpose is, but it's also not the only one because there's an element of service here. There's an element of transcendence, right? It's not just the self-actualization of like becoming whole, which is so important, but it's going beyond that. It's actually a wholeness for everything, everywhere. And I know that we're in some there's some pretty esoteric language here, but I'm not sure how to describe the feeling I have inside of myself. This newfound perspective as to how my life is unfolding without speaking in some fairly esoteric, floofy language that I actually quite like. Hmm... <laughs> Your life's purpose. Okay, so data talks about it like a, an onion. You're going to peel a layer back, and then the layer is gone. The next layer you dive into with all of your being. But I like this idea of the compass best. Because at any given moment, the compass is pointing towards the course of right action, the path of right action. And everyone's right action is so incredibly different from second to second. And so it is your life's purpose to develop a deep sensitivity to yourself and to the compass that your heart sits on top of, that your soul sits on top of, the path that the cosmos wants to have your life unfold into. It is a deep sensitivity to that aim to that path and it is a it is a 
discipline. It is a humble discipline to align yourself with that. It is a humble thing to align yourself with that because here's the thing. There is so much choice put into this conversation, right? There's so much like, just choose a passion, just find your passion and follow it. Just find your passion and follow it. And the problem with that is like, fuck, if we all just choose something selfishly and then follow it, where is the world? Like the state of the world is essentially we've been running that program for long enough, right? It's like everyone needs to be a capitalist and just find what it is that is both passionate and profitable. And that's your dharma. Like, oh my God, fuck. No wonder we're... (laughs) No wonder we're fucking upside down and backwards, you know? (laughs) We've been telling our kids the fucking wrong thing for a long time. That's why we drink coffee. Coffee helps us chase what is profitable and expedient and sucks our soul. Because if it didn't suck our soul, then why would we need a stimulant? If we were doing what was really lighting us up, if we're doing what was really super in our life's purpose, we'd fucking spring out of bed with a fire under our ass. Mm. But just imagine how it is that we, as parents, pressure our children when they graduate high school, when they graduate college. Where's your job? Where's your income? You know? Where's your job? Where's your income? (sighs) I've heard of a few parents who told my friends when they got out of college, they said, please do not worry about making money until you're 30. We have your back financially. Just do what lights you up. Oh, fuck. What a gift. Oh, what a gift to the world and to their children. What a beautiful thing to say. We have your back financially. Just do what lights you up. Fuck, that puts you way closer on the path of Dharma than finding what is expedient and climbing the corporate ladder and competing against your peers to earn and... Ugh. I'm almost done here. I feel like there's just one more thing I'm trying to tease out. It wants to be teased out of me trying to be slow enough that it comes out earnestly. Mm. See, this concept of Dharma, this concept of this moral compass inside of you, this, it is a moral compass. It is a vocational compass. It is a economic compass. It is a intimate compass. It's a relational compass. It's all these things. And it's like one path. The thread that I'm pulling on now is that when we bring our conscious decision-making into this and give it all of the authority by saying, find your passion and pick it and follow it, we intellectualize what is only partially intellectual 
we intellectualize what is only partial, partially choosable, right? We actually have to be deeply sensitive to the nuance of who we are. We have to be sensitive to ourselves. And then we have to surrender, essentially. It is a surrender to living your life's path. Because like the lie that we were like the lie that we were told as we grew up was you can be whatever you want. You can't be whatever you want. And telling me that I can be whatever I want leads me to then compare myself to other people ad nauseum. Because they are them and I want to be them. And I was told that I could be whatever I want. So I could be that guy. But I can't be that guy. I'm this fucking guy. <laughs> I'm me. I can't be him. I can only be me. I can't be him. I can only be me. Which is freeing as fuck. But it's also disappointing when you've been told for your whole life that you can be whatever you want. And I can't be whatever I want. I can't be whatever I want. And so choosing is like a misnomer here because it is not choosing. It is becoming sensitive to. It is becoming aware of. It is not choosing. Choosing makes the presupposition that I can change how things are and I can't. I mean, I can't unless I know where I'm starting, at, at the very least, right? It's not to say that I don't have any choice or that choice isn't an incredibly powerful agent here, no. What I'm talking about is becoming hypersensitive to the way things are, both in yourself and in the world, so that you can take those two things and align all of them into the path of right action. And then... You are surrendering yourself to walking it. Surrendering yourself to walking it. In the movie The Matrix, Morpheus takes Neo to the Oracle. He sits down and has tea with her. She quite bluntly tells him that, Honey, you're not the one. He's kind of taken aback and he leaves and he goes and talks to Morpheus and Morpheus, he, he tells Morpheus, she says, I'm not the one. And Morpheus says, there is a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. This is essentially our misconception with our life's purpose. When our parents told us to find our passion and follow it, they were telling us to know the path. And we cannot know the path. That is a misconception. You cannot know the path. But walking the path is something very different. Walking the path is being sensitive and responsive to your life, to yourself, to the world, to reality. You cannot know the path do not spend your time frivolously trying to plan what is your 
dharma and how you're going to give it. No. Become sensitive to the compass that your heart sits on, that your soul sits on. The compass manifests in myriad ways in your life. It manifests as your passion, absolutely. It manifests as your intuition, absolutely. It manifests as the tension in your solar plexus and the the tension in your neck and your back, how you respond to the environment. You have to become sensitive to your body's responses, to your digestion, to your emotions, to how you feel, to how other people feel around you, to what the world needs, to what you need to what your partner needs. Your life's purpose is to be present. It is to be sensitive and aware to what right action is right fucking now. It is not something in the future. It is not something in the future. It is not something you can plan. It is not something you can pave. It is literally the ground that your foot is going to land on as you step forward in time. And that it is the ground that your next foot is going to step on. Mm-hmm. It is not something you can know. It is not something you can plan. It is something you can only presence and you can only surrender to. And it is a deeply freeing thing. And I hope it is a perspective that helps you. You do not need to plan your life. Do not try. You are mysterious. You are complex. If you were complicated, if you were a robot, we could plan a life for you. But you are not a robot. You are a wonderfully mysterious cosmic creature that is unfolding, that is growing and healing simultaneously, that is being and doing simultaneously. You are becoming. You are a verb. You are not a noun. Do not try to prescribe your life. Let your actions and your life describe you. You are unfolding. Become sensitive to your unfolding. Mm. Hope this is helpful. I appreciate you listening. Mm. Feels to get this. It feels good to get this one out. I've been ruminating on it since mid-November, and now it's mid-January. Hope it wasn't too bumbly, but I appreciate you bumbling along with me. I hope you come back, leave a a review or, I don't know, do some kind of internet thing that helps the show or something, I don't know, or send me some money or something, I don't know. I don't know exactly what my dharmic ask is here, but I feel like I'm trying to be sensitive to what is my purpose, and it seems like at least recording the insights that I come across through conversation with my friends who are earnestly feeling into their lives is something that's meaningful enough for me to sit down and spend time doing. That's what I hope for this podcast, and I think that it's um, definitely on my path. So I'm happy that you're a part of it. Thank you so much. I love you. If you have any questions, comments, air gmail.com paypal.me slash airy in the air or patreon or doobly doo love you guys see you on the next episode